0: and welcome to another edition of Drug Fix, the Pink Sheets Pharma Regulatory Podcast. I'm Derek Ingery, a senior writer at The Pink Sheet, and I'm joined by executive editors Bowman Cox and Nielsen Hobbs. Today is February 9th, 2024. Happy Super Bowl weekend to those who are celebrating. Before the debate over whether the Chiefs or the 49ers will win, or if Taylor Swift will make it to the stadium in time really ramps up, let's talk about some interesting pharmaceutical industry news. First up is generic drugs. Matt, you traveled to Florida for the Association of Accessible for Accessible Medicines Access Conference, which is their annual meeting for generic industry executives and others. You certainly look like you improved your tan. But uh, what what else did we learn about the state of the generic industry?
1: Well, it's uh, um, I'd, I'd say about as uh, bad as it's uh, as it's been. I mean, they're uh, they're a hearty bunch. Uh, um, they certainly enjoyed themselves. Uh, um, down there, but uh, you know, the past few years, the theme has been that just their uh, their uh, margins have been squeezed, and they uh, they're hoping for some sort of uh, legislative or policy relief uh, to uh, to allow them to get out of what they worry is this sort of uh, death spiral where they uh, you know there are lots and lots of generic manufacturers, sort of almost uh, 300 was the stat that they. Uh, they uh, they they showed uh, uh, this time, and then there are essentially uh, you know four purchasers that control ninety uh, percent of the market, and so uh, that is a, a brutal funnel that's sort of kind of that uh, you cannot uh, sustain uh, that uh, um, that level of competition if there's a uh, um, you know essentially uh, um, oligopoly uh, um, is uh, you know one of the terms that they uh, they use in terms of the uh, um, the purchasing power. So uh, um, you know what to do about that. Uh, um, you know, there's not uh, one simple trick uh, um, everyone acknowledges, so they, uh, um, they're looking for a variety as for kind of tweaks that sort of, kind of will uh, um, sort of uh, exempt them from a lot of the um, the price uh, um, setting stuff that uh, um, is aimed at brand names, but they feel sort of kind of uh, unfairly uh, falls on, uh, on their drugs, uh, you know, if it was sort of, uh, even though it was designed for a much higher priced uh, um, product uh, looking for that uh, you know they have uh, said that it's sort of kind of un- unfair that uh, ftc has allowed uh, consolidation into kind of the uh, the purchasing channel but not in the, um in their channel they uh, um they're hoping for some relief on uh, um on that front and uh, you know those are the two uh, um the two big uh, um you know i guess we kind of a uh, commercial issues that they're hoping for some uh, um, uh policy moves on uh in terms of kind sort of what uh, um what Fda is doing for generics they're uh, they're pretty satisfied they uh, um you know they see inspections coming back there's always this pressure about uh, um you know the supply chain and sort of where uh, where drugs are made that was were sort of kind of uh, put into stark relief during covid uh, as everyone worried about shortages about everything and they uh, um they feel that uh, um you know they, they should have a global supply chain that's sort of kind of that uh, um you know you know you're kind of having everything all in one uh, place it isn't necessarily uh um safer you need some sort of kind of uh, um diversity they're calling it they're not calling it uh redundancy i think that's what kind of uh, would uh you know raise investor uh, alarm bells if they talk to talk that way but they're uh, um they're hoping to make that point but uh i know we'll talk about this a little later on the pod but uh um you know, they feel like uh, um FDA's inspection regimen is is coming back, and they're satisfied with kind sort of how it's uh, um, how it's going. they would always like more for kind of U.S. versus uh, um, foreign parity. Uh, um, they uh, they feel that uh, um, U.S. Uh, plants are maybe inspected more uh, more often than uh, um, than foreign ones, and so uh, um, it would uh, be cheaper if uh, um, uh, you know for sort of kind of U.S. manufacturing if they didn't have to sort of kind of uh, ramp up for those inspections all the uh, all the time at the rate that they uh, they do versus uh, the uh, um, Overseas plants, uh, but uh, the uh, the FDA needs to her kind of to review generics at a pretty good pace. That's uh, you know in some ways part of the problem. That sort of uh, that uh, there's there's uh, so much uh, uh, review efficiency that there's a lot of uh, uh, you know approved applications uh, out there looking for uh, um, looking for someone to buy their product. So uh, um, they're. Uh, hoping that to see some of these changes and I think sort of, uh, you know, perhaps, uh, um, in keeping with their, uh, um, their quest for, sort kind of a, uh, um, a new way of doing business, they're going to be moving their annual meeting around, uh, um, for the next couple of years. They, uh, um, have traditionally held it in uh, Orlando and uh, this year it was in Tampa and next year it'll be uh, somewhere else. Uh, still in Florida, they're not doing anything crazy like, uh, you know, going to Minnesota in uh, um, in February. But they're, uh, um, you know, if you can uh, sort of kind of look for uh, um, analogies, they're in search of a new home. We're kind of perhaps uh, both uh, for the conference and for their uh, their business model. So that's, uh, that's, uh, that's what's going on with the generics uh, right now.
0: That's interesting both. You know, I, I've have having been to one of the ones in Orlando, I know I think they've had it in Miami. I want to say in the past before, maybe I'm misremembering it, but
1: yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's just this is not a unique event uh, to as no, not yeah. be in uh, um, uh, Orlando, but uh, um, it's not one of these uh, meetings that are kind of, uh, you know, has a different venue every year. So it's a uh, um, little mm-hmm. unusual to kind of be uh, be non Orlando uh, at least two years in a row now. So uh, we'll uh, we'll see what that holds.
0: Yeah. The the interesting thing in, you know, it it seems like this, you know, these same problems keep coming up year after year. They say we have this problem and you know, is there do they have any kind of new ideas for solutions to this? Or is it the same like we need this, you know, we need this legislation, we need that legislation, you know, kind of we need, you know, the, the same things, you know, that we've always asked for, you know, to be able to
1: deal with these problems. Yeah, I mean, things in Washington move slow. So, uh, you know, the uh, the wish list, uh, um, if you were sort of kind of uh, talk to the government affairs folks uh, two, three years ago, it was really not that much different than the uh, the wish list uh, today. Uh, you know, the fact that uh, brand name uh, firms have uh, uh, helped her sort of kind of put uh, PBM reform on the table, you know, I think it helps uh for firms are always worried for kind of the when, uh, um, you know, something like this comes around that they uh, um, end up uh, victimized, uh, even if, uh, um, you know, the intent is to uh, lower uh, prescription drug costs, they feel like we're already really low, you know, don't make us sort of pay, uh, pay penalties for, uh, um, you know, sort of penny price increases and, uh, and stuff like that. So uh, um, there's not not been a ton of movement on these, uh, these things, uh, you know, we've reported about sort of kind of the, uh, you know the pbm legislation gaining some momentum and hopefully that will be good for uh, um for them but it's uh, um you know probably going to be a number of uh you know small tweaks you know sort of maybe ftc uh you know if there's a change in administrations is we're going to take a different approach to uh, um to uh, uh, generic uh, mergers, uh, you know, or maybe there's, uh, you know, some uh, some small way that CMS can uh, uh, make it easier for biosimilars to uh, to uh, come onto the market, uh, even if uh, um, they've negotiated a Medicare uh, price. Uh, you know, there's supposed to be this provision that sort of kind of that the uh, the price isn't supposed to kick in if there's kind of, uh, you know. Uh, Biosimilar competition on the horizon, but sort of kind of the firms don't think it's sort of of, uh, clear or uh, strong enough to sort of kind of let them uh, actually uh, reap the rewards of their investment in the uh, biosimilar development. uh, You know, if a uh, um, if a product is going to sort of kind of come under uh, Medicare price negotiations. So uh, you know, again, I mean, if you did all these things and uh, nothing changed, then uh, you know they might have to go back to the drawing board. But for uh, for right now, they've got this uh, game plan, and they're hoping to to sort of actually sort of kind of uh, score these touchdowns if we can, if I can uh, you know use your uh, sports analogy from the uh, um from the beginning that's not going to uh, you know guarantee a win, but uh, you know without uh, those legislative points on the board, they're not uh, um they're definitely not winning
0: yeah, to to further stretch the analogy they maybe they need somebody like you know a Taylor swift in the in the in the luxury suite to to cut the cameras to to you know to bring in more to bring more attention or something
1: <laughs> that's a uh, um that's a great, uh, great point, Derek. I mean, they they sort of, kind of tried to, uh, um, you know, their 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 uh, uh, big push last year was for kind of uh, launching this campaign about taking for granted that sort of people just were kind of, uh, you know, assume that when they go to, uh, you know, the pharmacy, they can, uh, um, you know, if the drug's been around for a long time, they're going to be able to fill it uh, and uh, um, not have to worry about it. Uh, you know, now if we're kind of. Uh, in this uh, situation, where there, uh, um, you know, we're we're seeing shortages of uh, drugs that have been around for decades because uh, the margins are so low, and there's, uh, you know, uh, just just one manufacturer uh, left. And if they run into problems, or uh, you know, decide to get out of the uh, um of the business for whatever reason, then uh, you know, this, this uh, uh you know, it can really sort of uh, cause some shortages. So there's kind of a you know, there's no uh, uh, pop star power, but I think uh, you know this. Uh, this problem of the shortages or kind of may help them get uh, um attention, you know it's sort of kind of uh, you know it's never for sort of good to sort of kind of uh, you know have a bad thing happening that is associated with your industry, but if it's sort kind of leads uh, policymakers to appreciate the uh, dynamics of the market in a way they hadn't before, maybe that uh, that could help the reform effort
0: yeah it's a yeah, it's an interesting way to think about it. Another thing you mentioned in in your story was that they released a report talking about you know, the 40th anniversary of Hatch Waxman, which I didn't even realize had, you know, creeped up on us. But, um, you know, are they, uh, is the industry wondering or thinking that, that, you know, they need to make some tweaks? I know that that a lot of times makes people nervous because you open it up, you open up a law like that, that, you know, has been the bedrock of, you know, the generic industry for so long and, you know, say, okay, we're going to, make these small little changes to modernize it and all of a sudden before you know it there's this risk that you know all these big time changes are going to be made that would you know change the law completely you know from how it's been for the last 40 years
1: yeah i mean that's sort of the uh you know the classic uh dc uh you know legislative fight the uh, uh, dilemma that's her kind of everyone sort of kind of wants uh, improvements to the law but uh there's that, 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 the, the sort of, they, uh, um, that the sort of kind of, uh, you know, that, uh, uh, favor them, but their second choice, if not for sort of kind of getting through sort of kind of the, the changes that they want, their second choices is always sort of nothing because they're afraid, you know, if there are, you know, changes that are different than the ones that are kind of on their, uh, their bullet pointed list, then it could be, uh, could be worse for them. So, uh, you know, I don't think that, uh, there's, uh, um, much of a, uh, Push on the generic side. is we're kind of tweak uh, hatch waxman. You know, sort of kind of the one thing that's, uh, um, that's out there that's sort of kind of isn't so much for sort of kind of on the the classic uh, um, uh, you know sort of kind of uh, bargain of uh, um, uh, patent expiry and then through sort of kind of uh, you know expedited review. But sort of, but does for sort of kind of would expedited reviews a little bit. This sort kind of needs a uh, congressional change at this point is the uh, the 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 change that would allow. FDA to share more data with generic firms about sort of, kind of the uh, the nature of brand uh, products. That sort of so they don't have to sort of, kind of engage in this sort of kind of uh, guessing game with FDA, where they're sort of back and forth about uh, specifications that was sort of, kind of will go into their ANDA. That's sort of, kind of uh, you know FDA knows the right answer, but they can't necessarily. Tell the generic firms the right answer so the generic firms have to sort of kind of uh you know sort of keep uh, sort of kind of uh you know filing different specifications and then uh, um eventually sort of kind of hit them on the right one and after it'll say yes, this 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 this, this will work. Uh, and the you know the issue there is that sort of that uh, brand firms consider this uh you know uh, proprietary information, trade secrets, uh what have you, and don't sort of, kind of want uh, um the agency disclosing that. And that's obviously a uh um you know legitimate concern. But uh you know, if you are if they're still gonna get to that answer eventually is for of kind of why you know make them do that dance uh, and that you know has been scored as for kind of saving a, a fair bit of money and uh, you know it's obviously going to sort of show up in some uh, legislation at some point because it's a great uh, pay for the question is uh, is when so there's gonna the there will that uh, um, eventually be that tweak but uh, in terms of those sort of are kind of other kind of uh, um, Changes to kind sort of the Hatch-Waxman framework. It doesn't seem like they're sort of really pushing for that so much as as much as they're pushing on the you know, the reimbursement side and sort kind of how you know the government approaches uh, pricing uh, um, generic drugs and allowing them to operate in a uh, market that has been uh, consolidated on the buyer side to a large degree.
0: Yeah, it's very interesting. Um, you yeah, we'll have to see if you know how the industry you know reacts and, and moves forward here. Um, you know it's always good to kind of reset and 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 network and and try and come up with a game plan. So we'll see if if they can uh, you know get execute on any of those uh, you know going forward here. Thanks, Matt. Next, we're going to look at the FDA after the presidential election. Donald Trump, like current President Joe Biden, is seeking another term, and former FDA Commissioner Scott Gottlieb, who served during Trump's first term, suggested that the White House may exert a lot more control over the agency if Trump wins the election in the fall. Gottlieb said that under Trump 1.0, there was less adult supervision – that's what he called it – and as long as you were mindful of issues the White House cared about, you could manage the rest of the portfolio independently. A second Trump term, though, likely would not allow such independence, and the FDA could be forced to act differently, Gottlieb said during a Friends of Cancer research event. He also discussed his strategy for obtaining policy wins, which was to accept ninety percent of what he wanted rather than strive for absolutely everything. I'm curious, you know, Matt, uh, do you agree that uh, you know with Gottlieb that uh, Trump would? probably exert more control over the FDA and how he thinks, you know, how do you think the agency would end up reacting to that?
1: Well, you know, I think uh, um, that's kind of everyone's assessment of sort of kind of that uh, if uh, uh, there's a, a sort of a, a Trump uh, restoration, if you will, that's sort where of kind of he will uh, come in with a, uh, a real agenda of uh, um, undermining the, the deep state, as he calls it, sort of that, that uh, um, you know, uh, um, uh, you know, he's more familiar with kind sort of how the, uh, uh levers of, uh, um, administrative action can get, uh, pulled and we'll, uh, we'll, we'll start pulling them and, uh, you know, he, uh, um, can, uh, um, no longer be, uh, um. Tied down by uh, you know, sort of the more traditional uh, um, Republican establishment that was sort of around him in his uh, his first term. So uh, um, you know, I think that would sort of probably apply to FDA and uh, um, and everything else as we've uh, um, we've seen uh, um, reporting. Uh, you know, it's not like he uh, he didn't try during his uh, his first term. Uh, you know, towards the very end, he was. Uh, you know, tweeting out that sort of FDA should approve the uh, um, COVID vaccines faster than the agency wanted to, and I, uh, um, I suspect now that uh, you know that's not just really somebody tweets. That's going to be more um, direct pressure if you want something to uh, to get done on the agency, and then it's a uh, um, you know uh, a question of uh, you know finding someone who sort of kind of uh, you know agrees with Trump's. Uh, um, uh, ideas there, but also sort of, kind of uh, you know, uh, uh, has a more mechanical understanding of the uh, um, the uh, the levers of uh, um, uh, administration of operation and uh, and and you know, sort of the the statutes and stuff, and sort of, kind of can uh, um, can get that done. So I uh, um, I think Golly's right in that analysis. Uh, um,
0: yeah, I think so too. Uh, you know, we saw, you know, we saw, you know, you and I both reported on the COVID during the COVID pandemic, and and you know, the 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 issues that emerged around hydroxychloroquine and, you know, why hasn't that been approved and, you know, go after they pulled it, go and approve it again. And, you know, the same thing with the vaccines and, and, and all kinds of other uh, things to try and, you know, for whatever reason you want to, you know, come up with as to why that was going on. Yeah. And I, I, I seem to, I've, I tend to think too that, you know, the next, uh, the commissioner under, under Trump 2.0 would probably be more amenable to doing those kinds of things and, uh, you know, and uh, paying more attention to the White House agenda maybe than, you know, the, you know, than necessarily the portfolio and the, you know, the science part of FDA's job, um, you know, that we saw the last time. Um, so, so yeah, it could be, you know, something to, something to consider as, as, you know, with the um, election season really heats up here. Another yeah, issue. Yeah, I, I
1: wanted was uh, oh, sorry. I wanted sorry, to, go ahead. Uh, uh, jump in, uh, Derek. Thank you. That uh, you know, it's it's not that FDA has previously been immune from uh, politics. Uh, you know, obviously the uh, the abortion f- uh, flashpoint comes to mind. Uh, you know, with uh, um, you know sort of efforts on uh, um, uh, you know RU forty six under the uh, the Bush administration and through kind of uh, you know obviously uh, you know we've. Uh, It has been a while that we we talked on here about kind of uh, you know that the the Obama administration uh, you know probably should have uh, moved Plan B uh, um, OTC, but they uh, they didn't, and uh, you know um, uh, you know for uh, you know what appear political reasons, so uh, um, those two kind of avoid a. the yeah, a the absolutely. Decision on that. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yes. They, they, you uh, know, um, was, that was an HHS decision, not a, uh, an FDA decision. So it's not like, uh, um, you know, sort of Trump would be doing something that's never been done before. I think, you know, what uh, people are worried about is perhaps for kind of the, uh, you know, for sort of the, 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 the frequency uh, of it uh, you know if uh, um, you know there's uh, you know uh, some uh, um, some particular issue that uh, um, he cares about and not sort of per- uh, perhaps we gonna has a broader uh, um, you know side implication that's sort of kind of that he may uh, um, intervene there so uh, um, obviously uh, you know if there's a uh, um, Trump administration—you can uh, imagine a great deal of pressure, you know, sort of not just from the president himself, but sort of kind of from his uh, his supporters for the FDA to sort of take action on uh, mifepristone, the uh, um, you know, the abortion pill, to sort of kind of perhaps uh, remove or restrict that in the uh, um, in the market. So that's uh, something to uh, something to watch for. Uh, um, uh, um, just you know, just like sort of, kind of there was a you know, chicanery in uh, Democratic and and uh, Republican administrations in the past.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, another issue – speaking of Mif- Mifepristone, another issue that came up uh, in the story by our colleague Sarah Carlin Smith who, who couldn't be with us today was that um, Gottlieb and uh, former commissioner Stephen Hahn, both of which were under you – know, during the Trump administration, didn't sign on to um, an amicus brief that a, um, several former commissioners sent to the Supreme Court um, warning of the consequences of overruling the FDA decision on Mifepristone. Um, they said the court could uh, the court could end up opening the door to you know constant legal challenges of scientific decisions, including drug approvals. You know, my 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 first thought on this was that this was a this probably was a political decision on Gottlieb and Hans' part to not kind of not be on that one that um, you know that Amicus brief. But I'm curious if you you know if you think there's some other uh, motive for that.
1: Yeah, I don't pretend uh, um, to know their uh, their personal. Uh, um, beliefs on uh, um, abortion but uh you know that's certainly the uh republican uh, um you know mainstream uh policy position is that uh you know that uh, the abort- abortion should be uh um eliminated you know, if not uh, um int- limited if not entirely banned uh, you know their their platform for uh, many cycles in the, the presidential races were called for a uh, um a complete ban and that's sort of uh, you know mainstream uh, um republican thought on that uh, um on that question and so it makes perfect sense that sort of kind of that uh, um you know sort of political uh you know figures in good standing would not uh, um uh you know uh want to weigh in on the side of uh, um, uh continued access i don't think that uh, mark mcclellan uh, signed it either you know he was uh, um uh, the uh george w bush uh, um uh commissioner uh, um as well uh, um so uh you know that just sort of kind of seems to uh, um be the divide there in terms of sort of, kind of uh you know, politics on this issue.
0: Yeah, it's a you know, again, it's an interesting sort of you know issue to think about. You know, the you know, in addition to you know the politics of it, you know, the kind of the other the other thought I had was that you know, having been in charge of the agency and knowing you know, kind of the what goes into those decisions and the you know, the the scientific. Studies and the research and and, and all of that, um, you know, you w- you wonder if you know which um, you know how much that played into you know the the thought and you know it could have been this is a completely separate issue. I just don't want to put my name on something that goes. I'm not getting involved in the Supreme Court angle part of this, you know. But you still you still wonder, you know, if you know, just having seen, you know, having been in charge of, of everything that goes on over there, not, not weighing in on, um, you know, something that could not just affect mifepristone, but affect other, other decisions. And the, the, frankly, the way that the FDA makes decisions over there too is, you know, an interesting thing to think about. Right. But I, I sort of wonder, um,
2: if, uh, having, um, more political involvement in an agency where there has been traditionally a lot of deference to the scientific experts would really extend beyond you know select issues like mifepristone
0: well i think that's the big question is you know at at what point do you know does the you know does the pol the political involvement you know start mixing in with the scientific you know the science-based research side of the agency, and you know how much of that can can happen. Currently, there aren't there aren't a whole lot of political appointees at the FDA, but you know whether that could change or not, you know that's something else that uh, you know could the Trump administration to, could change, or you know frankly the Biden administration could change it too, if they as well. So yeah, it's a that's a that's a constant uh, th- thought uh, for for a lot of stakeholders and FDA watchers out there. Finally, we're going to move to Capitol Hill, where two congressional committees held hearings on FDA issues, even though the agency was not there to discuss them. Bowman, can you give us a rundown on the hearing on foreign inspections?
2: Absolutely. This is um, a hearing uh, by the House Energy and Commerce Committee's uh, Oversight and Investigation Subcommittee. And um, they were revisiting an issue that they had explored in uh, December of 2019, which is um, the uh, FDA's conduct of foreign inspections, which uh, have uh, historically lagged behind uh, their domestic inspections. And uh, back in 2019, probably the main issue was uh, the difficulty that the agency was having in obtaining staffing uh, for these foreign inspections. It's uh, difficult, grueling work. And people who actually do that kind of work are very, are seen as very valuable in other parts of the agency and in the private sector. And so there tends to be uh, a significant amount of turnover. And so uh, it's really hard for them to keep up. Fast forward um, to um, today, and that whole problem was exacerbated by the pandemic. Now, the staffing issues for foreign inspections are even worse. Plus, you have the backlog of all the inspections that uh, they were not able to complete uh, because of um, uh, issues traveling during the pandemic. And uh, so, they're, you know, in quite a hole. So, um, what uh, the FDA has done is they've developed a plan for getting through this and it would have been interesting to hear what the plan was but they didn't testify at the hearing it's not clear exactly why that didn't happen Uh, the committee blamed them for refusing to testify i asked the fda about it they said they weren't formally invited Uh, i have no idea what that means were they invited just not formally what was the problem here Uh, But uh, it is exasperating. It's a big issue. The public needs to know what's going on. For some reason, that didn't happen uh, at this hearing. And um, there was um, a representative of the GAO who was there who could speak about what the FDA is doing. But it would have been better to have someone from the agency itself. I hope they're able to work that out in the future.
0: So, is the answer here is it, you know, I mean, I, I know, you know, we could have a whole other hour discussion on recruiting issues that the FDA has, but I mean, but is the answer just flat out? They need, they just need to, they need bodies, you know, people that are trained, obviously they can do this. Is it better planning? Do they need to do more, you know, kind of these remote inspections where they can just do like remote record requests or, you know, the, the video type of inspections. I mean, you know, is there, is there a way kind of to, you know, to kind of you know, get, get around this issue that they have with foreign inspections. I mean, did they even talk about how it's, it historically been really hard for them to get into countries like China to get inspect, you know, to do inspections, even when they are able to. Right, right. China came up
2: as an extreme case where they weren't able to do, um, where, where they've been unable to inspect there. Part of that is just because, you know, the, the, um, COVID came back there, and they had a lockdown. They kind of delayed things after other countries were already coming back uh, from COVID. And there may be some issues. There's this national security law that seems to be uh, possibly causing some issues. The uh, remote techniques, it seems like uh, the way the FDA has been using them uh, is more to help decide which sites are the most important ones for it to inspect in person. So, they are getting a better and better understanding of where the risks are and where they need to go. Uh, it's generally also understood that um, these remote interactive evaluations, as they call them, really can only work if the site volunteers to, to um, host one. If, if the agency has concerns about uh, data integrity, or if if they're suspicious about that particular site, then you know they wouldn't feel comfortable with a remote inspection because the site has so much control over what you actually see. Uh, they would want to do that in person. But uh, you know one of the issues that they have with uh, improving their risk assessment and focusing a limited number of inspections on the riskier sites is that um, they're um, delayed in inspecting the less risky sites Uh, that's not such a problem except that uh, a lot of countries uh, like the european countries uh, which issue gmp certificates that are good for three years they generally expect a site to have been inspected in the last three years and so that can be a problem for global manufacturers if they have sites that um, the FDA keeps putting off their inspection because uh, they're in such good shape.
0: Yeah, it's uh, it's it's not easy. I, I also have to say that I, I laughed a little um, at the notion uh, that came up that you could send college students with minimal training to get eyes on a facility quickly and determine if a full inspection was necessary. I, I you know, I'm not going to pretend to be a uh, an expert in what what goes into planning an inspection and and conducting one, but I, that doesn't seem that didn't seem too realistic or practical, really, to me. Right, that was um,
2: that was a proposal. I mean, you know, you could consider that, but um, you know, it wouldn't be fair to throw college students into that type of contentious situation there are so many ramifications of these inspections that it really takes a lot of training uh, to be able to do them properly and to gather the evidence that's required uh, to make the decisions so yeah I think it was maybe a bit of a facetious idea uh, you know I think it's a reflection of just how complicated the problem is and how you know there's, there's no really good ideas that can um, get them where they need to be so maybe you know a little of this and a little
0: of that will help. Yeah, maybe you know, maybe maybe you know it works in in some of the more you know the countries that we're more aligned with and you know that we can you know rely on you know maybe you know maybe you know something like you know you you send the you you have the the junior inspectors or whatever you want to call them you know kind of do quick checks of, you know, some of these facilities in Europe that have been, you know, like you said, they have their GMP certificates already and, you know, uh, you know, we're just making sure that, you know, things haven't devolved too much, you know, maybe they, maybe they go and do those and that frees up some staff or, you know, to go do, uh, go to other places or something. I don't know. I'm I'm just making that up, but yeah, it's a, yeah, not, not an easy, not an easy issue to, uh, you know, to resolve. Right. There was a lot of discussion about unannounced inspections pilot
2: that's underway. It's been delayed in China because uh, they've, it's been hard for them to get access for these inspections over there. Uh, but there's a lot of belief that uh, unannounced inspections will turn up a lot of things that facilities would normally hide if an inspection has been announced in advance. Um, but there's another pilot that also got a little bit of discussion. is isn't discussed as much widely, which is a, a translation pilot. When an inspector goes to a, a facility in a foreign country where the workers speak a different language, they generally have to rely on a translator who is provided by the facility itself. And in this pilot, they bring their own translators. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with that if it changes the outcome. Uh,
0: yeah, I'm I'm actually a little surprised they didn't do that already. <laughs> um, right. Given that you know, given with you know what you see, and granted, most of what I've seen is from you know CNN, where the president's talking to somebody from China. He has his translator, they have their translator, and you know they each do independent trans you know um, transcriptions of what was said, so they know. You know, there's no ambiguity over, you know, somebody saying something they didn't say or whatever. So, yeah, it's right. I'm actually it surprised. Could they didn't a do that before. <laughs> it could make quite a difference. Yes, it might could. might make
2: a bigger difference than it being unannounced, but we'll have to find out.
0: We also saw a hearing on uh, drug shortages in the House Ways and Means Committee Um This week, among the issues they addressed without FDA representation, by the way, was that environmental laws could be a barrier to onshoring drug production. Witnesses discussed how uh, API production in particular creates toxic byproducts, and lawmakers were asking if Congress should be investing in ways to help companies meet those regulations. Uh, Witnesses suggested, among other things, that they provide funding to create centers of excellence for advanced manufacturing where, you know, theoretically issues like this can be researched and potentially solved. So, you know, onshoring has been of manufacturing has been a huge issue since well before the pandemic. It became an even bigger issue during the pandemic and now after the pandemic. How big of a thing do you think this environmental issue is related to that? And or is this is this just another kind of talking point type of thing, you know, that's just, you know, that they can hold people can hold up to say like, you know, this is holding us back or something like that. Right, it's
2: well known that um, the environmental standards aren't as strict and China and India and many other countries, that could be a, a real issue, especially for API production. But, um, you know, maybe there is chemistry that can be used, uh, that can meet the standards that we have in this country, it'll be interesting to see what they do. But maybe some of that work will end up somewhere else, like Mexico.
0: Mm. Yeah, it's interesting, too, because I I know that was another one of the ideas was instead of, you know, you don't have to onshore everything, but you can try and encourage production to move to countries that we're traditionally friendly with. And, you know, Mexico would be one of those places. Um, So, yeah, it's it's another interesting thought. Well, that's all for today. For more, check out our website at www.thepinksheet.com. You can also find this and other podcasts on the Sightline channel in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, TuneIn, and Spotify Podcasts, as well as via smart speakers if they have been set as your default podcast provider. Thanks again for listening to Drug Fix. I'm Derek with Bowman Cox and Nielsen Hobbs. Take care, and we'll see you next time.